Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Morning, friends. How are we? It is very, very good to see you again. It has been far too long, and I'm sitting down there with my wife and uh, two of my children. My youngest is not here because uh, you don't want him here, trust me. Um, Goodness gracious. Um, My goodness, we would be entertained, let me say that. Um, We're down here, and I don't think we've been to a worship service here where we haven't just wept basically the whole time. Um, You are such a blessing to us when we get to come here. I, I just, I can't even describe it and, and I feel like I can it's a church word we're going to use it a lot today right it's a blessing as like so church feels like people are like God bless you and you're like I don't know what to say to that like like I hope like I don't, I don't know how to respond but you're such a blessing to us and I was thinking the other week I, I was thinking the other day you know if somebody asked me um how do I know what I believe is right and true right we wrestle with this like I, how do you know this God thing is real and and what is your proof and evidence of that um when I think of that question I think about you all that's how I know. I think about the way your church worships, the way you respond to the Lord, the way you seek after the King. And I would believe, invite anyone who has questions about this God thing to come visit this community because you will see a people who are obsessed with chasing after the things of Jesus. And I am so thankful for you all and, and the um, witness and testimony that you are to the things that God is doing. And so thank you for allowing me to be a small part of that every now and then. Um, when I think they, they run out of things to say and they think, all right, we'll bring Caleb in and we'll see what happens. Um, but very thankful to Tim and Christy and to the rest of the staff for trusting me to be here this morning. Um, but they're on an airplane, so they have no idea what I'm going to say. So let's just get after it. What do you say? Feel good? We'll either go for an hour or we'll leave in 10 minutes and go watch football. So either way, we're uh, in a good mood. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, my heart here this morning is to encourage you. I'm a football coach. It's one of the things that I get to do, and I love helping people get where they want to go. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I used to struggle with this because I used to be in ministry full-time, and I was like, God, you know, if I don't have a platform, God, how can I do this? And I was like, I got this whole thing mixed up, and God was like, since when do you need a platform to advance the kingdom of God? Just go and encourage people wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. May we be a church that leaves encouraged this morning, knowing that the main thing is the main thing, right? Live, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten, and may the name of Jesus be known a little bit more because you and I walk this earth, right? That's the goal. So can I pray with you this morning, and we're going to get after it. I do, if, you're, if you've never been here with me before, I do speak quickly, and you're wondering if I'm going to slow down. I'm not, and I would apologize, but I'm not sorry. So uh, we're going to pray. hope you can listen and get after it. We're going to hop all over scripture today because I don't have anything for you, but the Bible has infinitely more than I could ever hope and imagine. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the word of God. I hope you're okay with that, church. You good? Let's pray and get after it. Lord Jesus, we invite you into this room and we escort the devil in all of his ways out. He has no stronghold in this room, God. We are thankful and welcome your presence here because your word tells us where two or more are gathered. Here you are. So to the king of kings, Jesus, we welcome you and we feel we pray that you are honored and magnified and glorified through all that we say and do father i pray for everything that's going on in the minds of the people in this room god for all the distractions the enemy is trying to put on this room we pray them out for that thing they have to go do after this for the busy week that they have ahead that load of laundry that keeps on running in the dryer because we don't want to fold it god may we forget all of the things 
that would pull us out of this room. And may you use your word to move mightily and powerfully this morning. God, I pray as I do every time I'm here that we would walk out of this room differently than the way we walked in. Or may it be on us. May it be us who made the hard choice not to. So God, we invite you into this place. Do what you do. We ask this in your name. Amen. My vats are brimming. So I talked to Tim a few weeks ago, and he's like, I got an idea for a series. It's called My Vats Are Brimming. And I was like, that's the most Tim phrase I've ever heard in my life. And he had you last week. He was like, say, my vats. We're going to do it again. So he's listening. My vats are brimming. That's just like a phrase we say. It's like, we didn't need to sound any more churchy. Let's just, my vats are brimming, right? So we started with the same, I'm going to read the same verse Tim started this series with last week. It's not on the screen, but it's from the book of Ephesians. It's the blessing verse, right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be to our God and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's the blessed verse. That's where we began, this idea of blessing, and that's what this series is about. We then looked at the verse in Proverbs. We're going to put that bad boy on the screen. That's what we looked at last week and where this uh, text actually came from. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to hop on the internet and listen to the service last week. We're really into technology here at OKC Community. We, it's all online, but we still want you to come. Okay? Doesn't mean you skip Sunday mornings. Verse 9, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, it should be on the screen. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim over with new wine. And last week, you guys got talked about wine, and you were into it, church. You were into it. I was listening online. I was like, man, they are here. And, uh, and I was like, I, uh, I, like, I got to find a verse on, uh, you know, something that equals that. I don't know. Um, but when he began talking to me about this series and calling it my vats or brimming and all the things, and so with this, my mind did what my mind tends to do when talking with um, Tim and talking with other people who follow Jesus. When you begin to talk about something, my mind immediately begins to go to, well, what if I feel the opposite? Anyone agree with this? Like you hear, my vats are brimming, and you're like, that's a great idea. But what if they aren't? Can we agree? Like, like this is one of these things, like we love to say verses in Scripture that mean a lot to us, and we're like, yeah, we believe them, but we don't really believe them. You know what I'm saying? Like when Jesus says, you will do even greater things than I, that's a verse we love to tattoo on our arm, but we don't actually believe it. You know what I mean? Like, like, what do, you, what do you, like, I can't do that. So my, my brain always goes to the opposite. So we've got a series on blessing. And last week, Tim mentioned that sometimes the idea of blessing can do this thing that we do in our lives. We begin to compare our lives and our vats to somebody else's lives and their vats. Look at the way God blesses me is different than the way God's blessing them. And why is God blessing me and he's blessing them? What am I doing wrong to not receive that blessing is this a familiar feeling with anyone? Can we put our hands up so we know we're not alone? Right? We can not have to be super churchy, Christian-y people here, right? Does anyone ever feel like your vat is empty? Does anyone ever feel like the blessing isn't here and the blessing is somewhere else? And then we do this thing, what am I doing wrong? This is what we call, hey, can I tell you this? You're not off on this. You know what you are? You're human, and we live in a world that's broken. Of course we're going to feel these feelings and things. So as we dive into this, I do want to put one thing on the table right now. Let's just put it on the table that we can all agree with, that we know is true, because I feel like we've got to say it, because there's always that person who's been in church for 50 years who's like, well, actually, Caleb, you really listen, I know this. Listen, we are a blessed people, those of us that have said yes to Jesus. Do you agree? Yeah. If Jesus never did another thing for you, hadn't he done more than enough? Yeah. 
He's done more than we ever deserve. The fact that God is not doing everything I need does not mean he doesn't love me. It just means he's not a genie in my pocket. He's done more than enough. Would you agree? We are a blessed people. Amen? We are a blessed people. And yet, for some reason, God still desires to move in your life. That's unbelievable. That he did more than he could possibly do by sending his son Jesus. And then he said, I'll take it a step further. I'm going to send you my church to go make disciples of all nations. That's an incredible thing. God is in the business of blessing his people, even though he has, we have no right and we don't deserve it at all. Yet he does. God still desires to meet us where we are. So friends, I'm going to ask you to do something for me this morning. I want you to be honest about where you are. I don't get to be with you every week, so when I get here, I feel like i got to get it for all i got. I never know when the next time I'm going to teach is. Every time I'm up here, every time I'm on a stage, I think it could be my last opportunity. I don't work at a church. No one employs me or anything. So every time I message, I feel like it's going to be my last, so that's what you're going to get from me today. Hope you're ready to go, okay? Everyone in this room has an area in your life, a vat that feels empty. Every single person. This is silver platter stuff. Or you're a narcissist, and that's a whole other conversation we got to have, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I probably shouldn't have said that. What are you going to do? You going to fire me? I don't work here. <laughs> we all have an area of our life that feels empty. An area in our life that we wish that God would move in and he would bless us. And you know what we call those? Prayers. It's the predominant reason why we pray. Maybe it shouldn't be. That's another sermon for another time. But we all have reasons, empties spots in our life that we want God to move. And so this morning I want to look at an idea that's tough to look at sometimes. I want to look at the timing of God's blessing. The timing of God's blessing. I want to do that by going to 2 Kings chapter 4 is where we're going to hang out first this morning. It's a story of a man named Elisha. Now Elisha, this is an incredible thing. Elisha had a mentor named Elijah. Why couldn't they be named like John and Mark? He used those later. I don't know, but like a little less confusing. But Elijah, seven times God blessed Elijah and allowed a great move of God to happen through Elijah to the people, of, uh, to God's people. Seven times. Elijah's about to go away and be with the Lord, and Elisha is with him. And he's like, hey, ask anything you want from me, and I'll give it to you. And Elisha's like, I want a double portion of your blessing. And you know what Elijah responds with? You've asked a difficult thing. Like, I was hoping you'd like, Jersey Mike's, I can make that happen. Like... <laughs> A double portion of my blessing. That's a difficult thing. So I want to preface this right now. The only reason we have this story is because someone was bold enough to ask for blessing for God. Okay? When's the last time you really asked God for a blessing? Be bold enough to ask. Things happen when we ask. Okay? He asked for a double portion. And because he asked for a double portion, we get this story. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, it's going to be up on the screen right here. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now, this seems fundamentally insane, but under the Mosaic law, this was actually the way things went. If you owed something and the leader of the house died and no one could pay it off, they had the right to take your children, and they would become the slaves of the creditor until all of your debts were paid off. And oftentimes they would not give those people back well after those times were paid off, right? So this was, under the this is what was going to happen. Her husband died. She has no way to pay off all of her debts. So someone is coming to take her sons and put them into slavery. Verse 2, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? 
Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Now, I know last week we did a sermon on new wine, and you all liked that one. So I found this story because this actually translated is into like a small flask. So we got new wine and a little flask today. We good? We good? I thought I'd mix it up. He had a little flask of oil, you know what I mean? Oh, man, I'm all over the place. Here we go. All she had was this little flask of oil. That's all she had to her name. She's like, this is all I got. Small little flask of oil. Verse 3 and 4 says this. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just, don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars. And they each filled, put it to one side. Now, Elisha wanted her to commit herself in faith to God's provision. So she he asked her to go and do something. Sometimes we want to ask God to do something. We want to sit back and just wait for him to show up and do it. God, I need you to do this. And, and then I don't bother him again until I ask him again for the same request. This is not Elisha's plan. She's like, I want you to commit yourself. So you know what she had to do? She had to walk around to all of her neighbors. And I don't know how many jars she got, but Elisha made sure to say, don't just ask for a few. Which would invite what? Awkward questions, right? I mean, have you ever had to ask somebody for something? How many of you like asking people for favors like it doesn't bother you? And how many, how many, let's get to the real question. How many of you hate asking for help and for people to help you out in some way? Anyone in here? I would rather, I, I mean, I would, if my house is on fire, I'm like, well, the firemen are probably busy. This is probably it for me. Like, God's got a plan. He's got a plan. Like, this is what I would do. I am the worst at asking for favors. I would be like, Hey, uh, I'm so, I am so, is this, this is how I, anytime I ask anyone for anything, hey, man, I am so, so sorry. But do you have like a cup of flour I could borrow? Like that's, that's like literally how I approach it. So she's going house to house being like, um, hi, uh, I don't know if you know me, my husband died. Um, do you have any jars? And they're like, what for? What's her answer? Like, like uh, Elisha told me to get jars. So they're like. All right, and I'm like, you walk back in the house, some crazy lady's asking for a jar. Do we have any jars? I, they bring a jar out, and she's like, okay, do you have any more jars than this? <laughs> well, how many do you need? I need every jar you have. <laughs> she gathers every jar they have, and they're like, why? And they got to answer these awkward questions. Like, there's nothing worse than having to explain an awkward situation, right? Like, why I'm asking for help. I remember one time I was in a playing uh, football in high school, and I have a fake eye. Most of you know that about me. It's why I look like I'm always doing this. Um, you know, think we're all dealt cards. And uh, I went to make a play on a guy, and I tackled the guy, and I looked down at my eye staring right back up at me. It didn't hurt. It hurt a long time before that, not that time. So I grab it, and I run off the field. This is not how I lost my eye. I hope you're not thinking that. <laughs> I should have prefaced that. <laughs> I got a stick in the face when I was four. Don't run with sticks and put scissors down. You know what I'm saying? So my fake eye popped out. <laughs> I grab it off, and I'm running off the field, and I'm like saying, Coach, sorry, I need a sub. I need a sub. And he's like, he thought I was being lazy or I was hurt. He's like, get in the game. Get in there. I was like, I need a sub. Just give, can, I, can I get help for just a minute? And he was like, and he was just yelling at me, yelling. And I was like, I turned around. I was like, my eye came out. And he was like, oh. <laughs> he was like, take all the time you need. <laughs> I was like, give me a play, man. <laughs> it's awkward to ask for help, is it not? And this is what this person has to do. She has to walk from the house to house and ask for help. Can I have your jars? She gathers all the jars from one house, takes them, and she's got to go to the next house and do the same thing. Do you have any jars? I need like a lot of jars. So she gathers all these jars, right? I saw this quote this week from Dr. McLaren. It says this. 
You have God in the measure in which you desire him, church. Only remember that the, desi that the desire that brings God must be more than a feeble, fleeting wish. Wishing is one thing, but willing is quite another. Lazily wishing and strenuously desiring are two entirely different postures of the mind. The former gets nothing. And the latter, listen to this church, gets everything. They get God and with God all that God can bring. When's the last time you strenuously desired the Father church? Or was it lazily wishing? God, I really need you to move in my life. Amen. Next thing. Maybe this is why when Paul writes about prayer, what does he say? Labor with me in prayer. Sweat with me. Work with me. As if he knew it wasn't going to come naturally or easy for all of us. There's a difference between wishing and strenuously desiring, laboring as we cry out for the blessings of God in our life. Back to the story, verse 5, it says, She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Something is happening, friends, right? Little flask. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off of what's left, which means there was so much left over, they didn't have to worry about anything the rest of their lives. That's an amazing story, friends. Strenuously desiring God in our emptiness can lead to a blessing we would never believe. Ever believe. Now, Sometimes, when we call out to God to do something, he answers right away. Would you agree? And those times are awesome, right? Those times are fantastic. Now, I want you to think of an area of your life that's empty. I'm not going to wait to the end to do this. I want to set this up, right? Think of an area in your life that's empty. Maybe it's your job, and you just feel like, I'm just going through the motions of work. There's no joy and fulfillment in that. Maybe it's... I don't know, maybe it's your finances. Maybe you feel like, how, many, how long am I going to have to grind and grind and grind? And that vat still is never, ever full. Anyone there? Maybe it's a strained relationship. Maybe it's your marriage, right? Like, I don't want to feel like roommates anymore. That vat feels empty. Maybe it's a desire for a spouse. You know, how long, oh Lord, do I have to call? out and still nothing maybe it's a desire for children that you're like lord when will you fill this maybe it's an illness that you're living with a diagnosis that you receive some kind of loss when will i stop missing this person god when will the ache go away maybe it's struggling in mental health maybe god when will i get better what does better even mean can we understand this is all of us in the room friends now, my question would be, what would it look like for us this morning to not wish God would do something, but to strenuously labor together in community for the blessing of God to fall on us? What would that look like in this room this morning? And, and can I tell you something, friends? This is not a hypothetical thing. This is not an um, idea, okay? Strenuously laboring after the Father for blessing is not an idea. It's an action. 
So this is something I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm going to put it on the table this morning. You can either walk out of this room differently in the way you walked in by laboring this morning, or you can walk out the same and just leave this as a great idea. Or we can act this morning. I'm here to call you to act, church. Now, maybe you would say, I am strenuously laboring. I'm calling out to God and calling out to God, calling out to God, and still nothing. This is a real thing, right? Caleb, I'm doing all the right things, but where is God? I want to go to a story that I know that you know. It's in Daniel chapter 3. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You all know the story, right? Now, I want you to quickly turn to the person next to you and pick one of their names to spell. I'll give you 10 seconds. Go. <laughs> 10 seconds. Try to spell one of their names. I'm going to guess you all failed, okay? So I say that because it's, even though there's a story that you all know, I'm about to read you some story from the, from the Bible of a story that you know, I bet there are things that we could still learn from it. Would you agree? Right? In fact, if this is the only story that God gave us, I think he could teach us from it forever. Would you agree? Yeah, so let's dive into Daniel chapter 3. There's this crazy thing going on, right, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you've watched VeggieTales, Shadrach and Benny. So, um, shout out Meshach and Abednego. They don't want to bow down, right? The king's like, I'm so awesome. you got to worship my gods. I'm going to build this big statue. I'm going to play some music. And every time the music plays, you got to bow down and worship. And these guys are like, this doesn't, our God doesn't want us to do this. The king gets real mad. His name is real easy to remember. It's Nebuchadnezzar, um, just like their crazy names. Verse 14 is where we're going to pick up the story. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you, that you do not serve my gods, or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Um, I'm really glad we have court systems now, and it's not like, you messed up, you're going straight into the furnace. Like, this is why we can get like three tickets, and then we need to talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is unbelievable. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We are thrown, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save it from us, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Verse 18, it's not underlined, underline it, star it, highlight, tattoo it on your arm, what does it say? But even if he doesn't, but even if you don't, oh, we want you to know, O king, that we'll not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Even if he doesn't, does your faith look like that, friends? Is that what your faith looks like? Even if you don't, we do this thing as followers of Jesus, if you're like me, I know I do, that I tend to love and feel close to God as long as he performs accordingly. And that's not anywhere in this book. But I feel close to God when he's moving. I feel close to God when he's blessing. I feel close to God when he's seeing me. And when he's not doing these things, it's like, where did you go, God? And he's like, what? See, we can say that we know that he's done more for us when he gave us Jesus. Like, if you said yes to Jesus, you've been redeemed, renewed by the blood of the Lamb of God. You did nothing to deserve it. Your eternity is now to spend forever with him because he loves you. And I feel far for him because the bills are coming. Right? Like, as long as he performs accordingly. Verse uh, 19, let's get into it. 
Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And if you're a follower of Jesus, as soon as he said seven times, his plan was toast, right? Um, <clears throat> like, you got to, like, come on, Nebby. You got to be smarter than that. Um, six. Just go six. That's a bad, we don't like that number. Um, Verse 20, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So this is what he does, right? He's grabbing them. He's going to throw them into the furnace. And it's so hot that the men throwing him in the furnace were burned alive and died right there on the scene. That's how hot it was. And we all know what happens, right? This is why we know the story. If that ended right there, that probably wouldn't have made the book, right? Probably wouldn't have made the book. Let's go to verse 25. He sees them walking around. Verse 25, he says, he said, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of what? The most high God. Hallelujah. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. I wonder what that walk looked like, right? I wonder if it was like, like you think you've seen someone strut, you've seen nothing until you've walked out of a furnace. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm sorry, do you want us? Like, is this, it's like, like, was there another Shadrach you were looking for? No, I'm the only one that's ever lived? Got it. Now, this made a great story. If you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, wouldn't the story have been greater had he rescued you before you got in the furnace? Right? Like, well, what a cool story. Yeah, but you think they liked being bound and tied up? You know what we don't see in here? Their absolute terror on their face as they get ready to go thrown in the fire. See, I can trust God and also realize the world I live in is broken and sometimes it's heavy. That fear that they had, wouldn't it have been better had God rescued them before they got there, before they were bound and tied, before he gave the decree that they had to bow and worship so they didn't have to anguish over the decision, are we going to serve God and cost our lives or are we going to bow to this and save our lives? They had to anguish over these decisions. Then they were bound and tied and hauled and the terrors, they were thrown into the fire and then God rescued them. Can I tell you this, friends? Wouldn't it have been better had they been saved before? But sometimes you got to be in the furnace so we don't confuse where the blessing came from. See, it would have been easy. Had they just decided on doing it and God rescued them, they would have been like, whew, we got saved. He had a good, the king had a good day. He let us go. If they would have been saved before, they're like, oh, he had a change of heart. Thank goodness. But it was only in the furnace that people could look around and be like, it has to be the son of the most high God. Your God must be God. Look, because you're in the furnace and you survived. Friends, every miracle is only a miracle because it's obvious that the only thing happening is a move of Jesus. That's why it's a miracle. And sometimes God's answer for his blessing to you is to wait because you got to get in the furnace so there's no confusion about whose blessing came from. Look, my sister got real sick. Okay, I was, she was a teenager. She got real sick. She had a cough that turned into pneumonia. Within 48 hours, I was going to say goodbye to my sister. She's in ICU, hooked up on every tube. I'm in there saying goodbye, and then she has a seizure. I'm hauled out by nurses. Scream, I'm screaming, help her, help her, help her, and they're hauling me out. All these doctors are rushing in. And I was like, that's the last thing I'm going to see of my sister right there. And I would have loved to God heal her that day. But he didn't heal her that day. She got a little better and made it through the night and then a little worse. Then she'd have a good day and then a bad day. I watched as 90 people who loved me. I'm sure I spent countless hours hanging out with Isaiah at his house because I had nowhere to go. My parents were... I see you with my sister, and then we're just waiting for her to get better, waiting for him, praying, God, would you heal her? Praying, God, would you heal her? Praying, God, and he just kept not 
doing it. She said, 31 days in ICUs. I'll tell you this, 38 days later, she walked out of that place as the miracle girl. She's known as the miracle girl of Baptist Hospital. Yeah, it's awesome. She's married. She's got three beautiful little girls who I love dearly. I spoil them way too much. But let me tell you something. I would have much rather he brought her out day one. Because, you know, I, I now, I, every time one of my kids gets sick, I, I spiral. I spiral. It's been 20 years and I spiral. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is this going to be it? I'm dealing with all of this stuff. I would have much rather got a healer day one, day three, day four, day five. But you know what I didn't question on day 38? Now as a 35-year-old, what I witnessed as a nine-year-old, you know what I don't? question that it wasn't a brain surgeon it wasn't a medicine it wasn't a miracle diagnosis i know for one thing it was 90 people gathering in a tiny room praying the lord move there's no question in my mind why she walked out of that furnace it was god and only god and even though even though i would have rather had it gone differently it was god that rescued her from the furnace it was god god's blessing Sometimes it's start pouring the oil and let's fill the vat. Let's fill it up. And sometimes he says, you got to wait on the furnace. You got to wait on the furnace. Friends, are you okay to wait on the furnace? Are you okay? Yeah. Or are you willing to labor in prayer to get there and knowing that God's going to be with you? And friends, even if he doesn't, I'll still praise him. Sometimes he says, right now, I'll bless you right now. Sometimes he says, you got to wait. you got to wait for the furnace for my blessing. And sometimes God blesses us when he says no to our request. Acts chapter 7. We'll be done. Acts chapter 7. There's a man named Stephen. You know, I'm going with this, right, church? Stephen is preaching. Preaching with his whole soul to people who literally hate Every word he says. Friends, this is easy. You all love the king. I saw you worship. You wept over your ears. Your hands are raised in the sky. I don't know your stories, but I know God did something in your lives that led you to this place this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your stories. And this man is preaching, and they hate every word he says. And he's calling out in, in chapter 7, verse 54 of Acts. It says this. When they heard this, Stephen preaching, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus, what? Standing at the right hand of God. By the way, every other time we see a picture of Jesus in heaven, what's he doing? Sitting down. But in this story, in this moment, what's he doing? He stands for Stephen, standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, Stephen cries out. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, the crowd, this is like, man, you know, man, people are mad, don't they? We all turn into four-year-olds when we're mad, right? Don't we all? Let us throw the tantrum. Listen to what they do. They're so mad at his preaching that what do they do? They cover their ears and yell loudly. That's what happened to my son yesterday when I told him he can't wear overalls. He was like, no! And I was like, I am Stephen in this story. <laughs> Where are you? Stand for me. This child. Whew. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Verse 59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, 
Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval of his death. Now, if I read this story right after the other two stories, of Elisha and the woman, and I read this after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then I read Stephen, you know what I think? What did he do wrong? Right? Can you see this? Where was Stephen's blessing? Where was his rescue? Where is his flask that won't empty? What did Stephen do wrong? You know, uh, I, um, I have a diagnosed anxiety disorder, okay? I struggle with mental health. If you ever want to advocate to go to therapy, let's talk, okay? <laughs> I have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. And it all came to a head about uh, nine years ago. And I wound up, uh, I had a bad episode, wound up in the emergency room. And uh, we were attending this church at the time, and I was with my wife, and I only had one uh, child at the time. She was a baby. I'm in the ER, and I'm, um, I'm just, my dad's there, and my wife's there, and I just kept saying, I'm sorry. I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed. Initially, I was like, I failed Rosalind. I failed you, Casey. I failed my parents. I, fa- I kept saying this. I failed OKC Community Church. I failed my small group. I failed because my faith wasn't strong enough. I failed. Because you know what people were telling me that week building up to this moment? Have you prayed about it? And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, my brain's on fire, but you know what I forgot to do? Pray. That, good idea. I think I'll pray. God, would you help me out? Just Caleb. You got a, if you got a minute. You know what that didn't make me do? That didn't make me feel close to God. It made me feel far from God, like I was doing something wrong, like I was a failure, like God was helping everyone else but not me. It made me feel isolated and alone. It wasn't through therapy and lots of other help that I realized that when I am afraid, I will trust in you. It took me walking through therapy to realize that even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be no reason. And if you're looking for me to be like, Caleb, are you better? No, the world's broken, not better. I know who King is. I found ways to load my tool belt. But here's what I know. That even in our no, because you could look at Stephen and be like, what, what's wrong? He failed. How did he fail? What did Stephen's faith do that wasn't strong enough to rescue him like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What did Stephen do wrong where he didn't get the blessing of the oil? What did he do wrong? And the answer is nothing, friends, that sometimes God says no, and even in his no, there is blessing, but he is standing with you, and he is for you. God has not abandoned you in your difficult season. Just because his answer is no doesn't mean, in fact, what we see when God's answer is no is that he is doing something he wouldn't normally do in a yes. He is standing to let you know that he is with you in his no. That's what the Father is doing. So if you feel abandoned and alone, if you feel like I did that night in the emergency room, like I've I've done something wrong, I'm far from God, where are you, where are you? Know this, look to heaven this morning and see a God who stands for you in the no. That even in his no, God is for you, church. I know that because you know what the Bible tells me? The statutes of the Lord are right. That's what it says. As for God, his way is perfect, the Psalms tells us. That's what I know, that God is for you. And here's the thing. We have no idea the story that God is telling that we can't see. That maybe through your no, God's telling a bigger story. You know how I know that? What's the first verse I read today? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be to our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every what? Blessing through Christ Jesus. Do you know who wrote that? And as Stephen and Saul was there giving, uh, giving approval of his death, that guy wrote that verse. 
Do you see? This is how the Bible works at 30,000 feet, right? We talk about blessing and what God's blessing I'm not going to do. No, and, 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 the, and the man who's being killed and God's like, sorry, but I'll stand for you. I'm for you and I'm with you. Who's killing you? That's my guy. That's the guy who 2,000 years later I'm going to teach OKC Community Church about blessing from. We have no idea the story that God is telling that we can't see. May it not shake our faith because he's not performing accordingly, friends. So my prayer for you this morning, how am I going to end this? And I need to end this. My prayer for you today, and how I want to encourage you is this. I know for certain that all of us have a vat in our lives that is, we feel is empty. We all have that thing. My prayer is that we would be a church this morning that didn't take the idea of God's blessing and calling out to him as an idea, that we would take it as an action. I'm going to give you time this morning to act, to work, as Paul writes, to labor in prayer, to strenuously desire the blessing of the Father. And sometimes, this is what I believe, God, this morning, God may call you to start pouring oil and fill your vat this morning. I believe that. I believe he is the healer. I believe he is everything that the Bible says he is. Right? Whatever you need God to be, that's what he is, right? You need someone to talk to, he's a counselor. You need someone to fill you up, he's the bread of life. Whatever you need, guys, you need someone to protect you, he's the lion of Judah, he's for you. He's Emmanuel, he's the day spring, he's the resurrection of life. Whatever you need, he's that thing. That's who God is. And I believe that some of you this morning, if you labor in prayer and begin to strenuously pour out, God will tell you, start pouring oil, it's time to go. That's the blessing of God he wants to pour on you this morning. I believe it. Some of you need to labor in prayer, and God's going to tell you to wait. Wait. And when it's time, I'll leave no doubt where the blessing came from. Some of you may be in the furnace right now. Some of you may have gotten a diagnosis this week. Some of you may have lost somebody you love this week. Some of you may be suffering in your job this week. Some of you may be at that lowest point. And let me tell you, God's going to move, and there's going to be no doubt where the blessing came from, but he's got to wait until you're sure it's only him. And some of us are going to call out, and God's answer is going to be no. And yet there is a blessing in the no. And some of you need to labor and labor and labor this morning and to realize that even in the no, that God is standing for you, beside you, and he has you this morning. Can I pray over you this morning as you get ready to respond? And here's what I believe. I believe everyone in this room has an area that's empty where we need God to move and to bless us in some way. And this is another reality, you know, there's probably someone in this room this morning that's, that really feels empty. Really feels empty because they've never said yes to Jesus. And here can I tell you, there's not a better thing you can do this morning than walk out of here differently than the way you walked in. There's nothing better that you could do than to say yes to Jesus and ask him to fill you in ways that you've never been filled. Because only he can satisfy. The only reason we can talk about these things, friends, is because those of us that have said yes to Jesus, we know our God's for us. He's standing for us. He'll deliver us from the furnace. He'll tell us to pour the oil. He wants to bless us with every spiritual blessing in heaven and on earth. And that is available to you this morning. All you got to do is say yes to Jesus. It's as easy as this, right where you are. If you want to bow your head, just say this. Say Maybe if you've never done it, it's easy to say, Jesus, in the best way I know how, I turn my back on my sin, and I put my trust in you. Thank you for saving me. I promise I will never be 
same again. Jesus, would you fill me this morning? I'm telling you right now, if you said that prayer, there's going to be people up here at the end of the service who would love to pray with you, talk to you about what that means, what it means to follow after Jesus. Can I tell you, there's nothing better you'll ever do in your whole life than saying yes to Jesus. Nothing. Nothing compares. Now, the rest of us in this room that have said yes to Jesus, I'm going to call you to act this morning. Because when we act, when we strenuously desire God, we get God with all that comes with God, friends. Is there anything better than that? God, we invite you into this room this morning. And we're going to have prayer team down here, and there's going to be some in the back. We want to labor with you this morning. We're going to be here at the end of this, during this response song. We're going to be here after the service. I promise you, there are people in this church, we won't stop laboring with you until you're ready to go. That much I promise. We want to walk beside you and labor with you because calling out to God for a blessing and have God coming down and bless us, it is a people who are willing to strenuously act, who are willing to go house to house and ask for a jar. Would you give me a jar? God's going to move. God, I'm in the furnace. Would you move? God, even if you don't, I see you standing there for me. Jesus, please keep standing. Please keep standing and shower that blessing upon me, God. So, Father, I pray this morning that we would have the boldness to act, the willingness to labor in prayer, labor as we chase after you and chase after the blessing that you desire to pour upon your children. God, I pray for situations this morning that are ready, that jars are gathered. God, would you call us to begin emptying oil, and would you overflow the areas of emptiness in our lives with your blessing? God, would you rain that down on us? God, for the areas of our life that feel empty, our job, our finances, our relationships, our desires for relationships, God, our marriages, our illnesses, God, God, I pray that you would pour out your blessing on those. God, and if you're calling us to wait for your blessing, may, when that moment comes, may there be no doubt where the blessing came from. May we give all glory to you when you pour it out on us. May we wait while we walk in obedience, Jesus, while we wait for you. May we take things one day at a time as we wait, one step at a time as we wait, asking you to renew the joy of our salvation, being honest about where we are because you say, God, those who wait on the Lord, they will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint. Jesus, would you give us the boldness to wait on you? God, and even if we feel a no, may we see the blessing of the Father as you stand for us, as you stand and welcome us. Jesus, may we chase after your blessing with all that we are. So I call us now, God, to labor together in community with one another. Would you fill up the vats that feel empty and pour out your blessing on this church in your perfect timing, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.